Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, where we take a week-by-week look at the later years of WCW and really wonder how bad can it get. <laughs> we're still workshopping that line, but um, it's pretty much where we're at now. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. None of that's wrong. We're 38 episodes in now. We should probably get that first line pretty set. Well, this is episode 38. Today we're talking about the June 21st, 1999 Monday Nitro. Live at the time from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the Superdome. But before that, we saw our first live wrestling show together. And my first live wrestling show ever. Yes, I've been to several, and as previously mentioned, I've worked several. Whenever we watch a a Raw or a WrestleMania where Nick had attended, he's very much the SpongeBob meme of, there I am, Gary, there I am! He just like points at the corner where he might be sitting. Like, I'm behind that pillar. Do you see that pillar? I'm over there. It's very cute. If you're watching the Raw before WrestleMania 29, you can see me doing yes (laughs) during Daniel Bryan's entrance. He's wearing a black and red flannel. And a Jericho Hall shirt. (laughs) But yeah, so we went to our first live, my first live wrestling show and our first live wrestling show together. And it was so much fun. I think Nick was getting... I don't think, I know Nick was getting annoyed with me about how hype I was getting, at, at least at the start. You were also hitting me. I was I'm so excited. excited, man. It was just a lot. Byron Saxon came out, and I was like, oh my god, I know him. And then he's like, do you want to see the boss? And I lost my shit. And, and then Drew McIntyre came out, and I lost my shit. And then Ricochet came out, and I also lost my shit. And then Drew McIntyre came out again. And I lost my shit And then again. Drew McIntyre came out again. And he brought the sword. Oh my god. And Kofi. We saw Kofi, we saw Sheamus, we saw... We saw Ridge Holland without a broken nose. We saw Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn was fun. Sami Zayn Live is a lot of fun. See, what I learned is I think I'm part of the reason why the Great American Bash crowd was like it was. It's wrestling fans like me. They're like, I just want to go watch. Yeah, no one was really... Like, you weren't into the chanting. I really wanted to chant, but nobody around us was chanting. I would like to point out, though, it was concerning how many NWO shirts I saw. And I looked at Nick, I was like, why are they all wearing NWO shirts? He's like, they're just, it's the wrestling shirt that they have. Like, that's that's what they're wearing. Yeah, you were wearing a Cactus Jack shirt. He wasn't there that night. I was about to say, yeah, well, at least Cactus Jack was in WWF, but like... So was the NWO. So was the NWO, eventually. And I wore my Ring of Honor crew shirt. <laughs> like a fucking mark. Rip. But, long story short, I loved the live experience, even if it was a house show that nobody cared about, whatever. It was so much fucking fun, and I want to go to every wrestling live show ever now. So you want to get into the episode they clicked on, or? I guess. Honestly, like, I say that with a lot of disdain, but this this episode of Nitro felt, okay. This was a Bizarro Land Correct episode me, of Nitro. It felt like a pay-per-view. I think it felt like a pay-per-view just because it was a lot of matches, that went a decent period of time. And they were fairly good. Yeah. And it was in a bigger arena. The Superdome is massive. Yeah. Um, they sold 15,000 tickets. I think the Superdome has a bigger capacity than that. So yes. So it sold it out, sold absolutely out. absolutely does. But it did. The way that they had the camera set up in the seating, it looked pretty full. So the Superdome has various different capacities. For an NCAA Final Four basketball game, seating capacity is 67,500. For a center stage concert, maximum seating is 83,000. For football, maximum seating is generally considered about 75,000. Um, yeah. You said they sold 15? Yeah. 
So that was just really good planning on where they sold the tickets to sit yeah, and it, it, camera it, place. It didn't look empty. No. All, it was also a matter of, I'm assuming you would never try to do the top bowl because, oh, God, no. well, no, because of the lighting. Oh, fair. I think yeah, I think, I think when line. WWE does it, they have the lighting a lot higher up and just cake everything with lighting. Yeah. Because they, you know, they've done two WrestleManias there now, I want to say. At the Superdome? Yeah. Oh, shit. 30 and 34. But yeah, it looked full. So, like, good on the camera team, I guess. Yeah. It, apparently, when they announced Master P would, would be there, they sold about 2,000 more tickets. <laughs> and he's not like, shocked. And he's like, oh, it'll be sold out. He thought he was going to sell out the Superdome? I guess relative to capacity. I don't know. But yeah. But I guess I don't understand how, like, big Master P was in 99. Yeah, I, I don't know if anyone does, including WCW. <laughs> I think that might be part of the problem. Probably. And in addition to me mentioning that this is like a bizarro bland episode of Nitro, it actually opens in a mildly natural way mm-hmm. where it starts with a recap of last week, like a video package, like with music, and it's pretty well done. Then goes the Nitro opening, goes to a little backstage segment, Cold Open, which we'll come back to. Nitro Girls, then opening Pyro. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a shot. logical stage of events. Yeah. Like, I maybe could have done without the cold open, but even then, it's like, oh, okay, this is fine. Yeah. So that cold open, as mentioned, is T Madness arriving in a different color Hummer. It is not a different color Hummer. It's the black Hummer that Sting was in last week. Just... Them arriving in any vehicle is just basically now a Hummer. So that's yes. what we're going to use in shorthand because that's Black what Hummer. they're doing. They get out of the car. You were very concerned with the seating arrangement. <laughs> so the build of this car to me looked like a Jeep. I did do some research. It's definitely a Hummer, but it's just like an older Hummer. So it's just really wide and ugly. Like Hummers are ugly. Sorry. But there was... I don't mind the Hummer 2s as much. I don't know the numbers. It, it's a little more like a boxy kind of... Is it like more narrow? Because this one's like a tank. Like width. I mean, they're all a little tank. I know, but width wise, this one felt very tankish. What about the uh, oh god, what was the Toyota Hummer they made? I do remember that I wanted my husband when I was like a kid kid, I wanted to marry a guy that had a yellow Hummer. That was like my dream car for my husband to have. I would have a red convertible, he would have a yellow Hummer. What about a white Hummer? <laughs> the only Hummer that I knew was a yellow Hummer, that's what I wanted. What if Emily anyway. was driving the white Hummer? I would have killed him. Jesus. (laughs) Okay, Emily confirmed to not be driving the white Hummer. (laughs) Sort of that out. Let me go through the logistics of the seating arrangement in this Hummer. In the front seat, you have Sid getting out of the passenger seat. In the back seat, most back seats of cars hold three people. There's the two window seats and... The uh, the hump seat, also known as the bitch seat in some people's cars. It's the middle seat. The middle seat, whatever. It's called the middle. It, the, it's got a hump in it usually. Anyway, there's usually three seats. but Well, it might have been the hump seat based on the... Uh... <laughs> All three women get out of the back seat, plus Randy Savage. So they put four people in, like, in the back seat, plus Sid in the front, plus, I guess, a driver. Sid rocking the polo tucked into the jeans again. Again, he was at the same PTA meeting that Dean was. They have a very, like, carpool sort of thing. They're like, very active in their child's very, education. Very active. They need to know what's going to be on the lunch menu next week. Anyway, but then juxtaposed to the Hummer, 
Kevin Nash rolls up behind them as the only person in a limo. It, it just doesn't make any sense spacing and seating wise. Like, yeah. Randy Savage is not a small man. Oh, I yes, think you're going to say how they don't notice seat. that Kevin Nash arrives in a limo. Oh, I am only four, four feet away from them. I am only focused on the seating logistics. I don't care about the timing. Well, because Nash arrives and he wants to go see who's driving the Hummer because, contrary to what I thought, that is still a mystery going on. And they mention it a lot. So he tries to like run over to the window and the Hummer just drives away. I just don't understand why they would cram four people in the back seat of that car. Why? Because they, well, clearly, because someone's driving, there's not enough seats. They can get, a li- clearly, limos are available. But, but story. <laughs> but like comfort. Well, last time they were in a limo, Kevin Ash dumped sewage on them. Last time they were in a Hummer, it tried to kill somebody. Yeah, but they're fine with that. So we go from the backstage segment, like I said, to the Nitro Girls and the opening pyro. Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan are on commentary. They ask who was driving the Black Hummer. Uh, They reiterate the point of Eric Bischoff noting that it might be a woman. We then throw to a video package of the Rap is Crap story from the pay-per-view and last week's Nitro. We missed a bit of the No Limit Soldiers performing. Yeah, you noted that there was a, a rap that got cut. They also talk about like, oh yeah, we just you know that performance was great. Hootie-hoo. Honestly, don't miss it. I, I even though I have the file and could watch it. Oh, absolutely. I was not. just like, you know what? I. Uh, I'm good. So it was a no bones day. <laughs> what? <laughs> Self care. I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't bother watching that. Bones meme is so deep at this point. You know what it really was? If that was the if if it had been some storyline progression as well, and if we like didn't see him the rest of the show, I might have been like, okay, well, let's see what's going on with the story. Apparently, he just performs, and then we'll do more shit with him later. Sorry, that didn't sound desperate enough. Can you do it like Ray and make me sad? Because every time Ray does it, I get a little more sad. He like. But no, Ray just, Ray believes in it a little too much. And that's what makes me sad. No, here's the thing. I don't feel like Ray believes in it. I think Ray believes in it more than Conan does. Or at least Ray's putting his whole self into the like storyline. Yeah, which makes me sad. I feel like Conan doesn't care enough and exactly. or thinks, he's like, oh, well, you know, I make music too. So I'm on par with these guys. Yeah, maybe it's that. We go backstage for a minute. <laughs> Lenny Lane and Lodi chat and do some uh, gay double entendres. I think get used to this. I think this is going to be a very common thing. This struck me as very Billy and Chuck before Billy and Chuck were a thing. Yeah, they definitely have that energy. Although this feels... I don't know if this is lazier. I don't know. Like, it's a lot of like, oh, you know, like, like I have a lot of stamina. I can, I, I can outlast him. I can him last for, longer. Yeah, it's like, Chuck. I can outlast him. I'm bigger than him. This is one that I'm wondering if it's been on Thunder or Saturday Night. Because mm-hmm. um, the crowd definitely feels a certain way about this story. But we'll get to that later. Because our first match of the night is Psychosis versus Kidman. And I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. You were excited for this match when it was announced. Well, yeah. Psychosis, not a tag match. Happy about that. Kidman, always happy to see him. Always good to see Kidman. 
And I guess Kidman's done with his Hugh Morris story because there's no... There's no Hugh Morris on this episode. Yeah. Maybe they were finally realizing, yeah, this doesn't work. So match starts. Kidman drops down for psychosis to do like the like running the ropes. You kind of like jump over him while running. And psychosis just hits a drop kick to Kidman's face. I'm like... Oh, yeah. It broke kayfabe a little, but I loved it. Because it's like, yeah, why wouldn't you just do that? Why yeah. are you running over that? How does that break kayfabe? Because they always run over. Oh, well. It's like if somebody throws you, you know, tries to Irish whip you and you just don't move because it doesn't do anything. It's like, okay. Yeah. It, obviously, it breaks wrestling physics. Fair. More than kayfabe. We get a head scissor, then a drop kick, and then a clothesline to the outside from Kidman. Then he hits a top rope dive to psychosis. Follows that up with a slingshot leg drop back in the ring. He goes for a superplex, but Psychosis counters it into a front falling superplex. Like, ooh, shit. Sure. Yeah, that was cool. They really, like, they put it into pretty high gear early on, but it mm. didn't feel like they were moving too fast. No, it was a, it was really well paced. Because it didn't feel like it was dragging at any point either. I mean, commentary might disagree because they decided to just start talking about other things. But I didn't think it was really dragging. Kidman gets drop kicked off the apron, and then Psychosis hits a springboard moonsault from the top rope to the floor. They call it like a split-legged, but his legs are literally together. It's I I, I wish I remembered more of these springboard type moves because he literally just like bounces the back of his knees off the top rope to kind of do the moonsault. Yeah, it was cool though. Yeah, oh yeah, however absolutely. he did it, whatever you want to call it, it was cool. He goes for a dive off the top rope with Kidman back in the ring, but Kidman counters with a drop kick and then hits a pop-up spine buster. Get a springboard Frankensteiner to Kidman seated on the top rope and then a diving spin kick. Psychosis then makes a crucial error and decides, you know what? I'm a powerbomb Billy Kidman. Fool. <laughs> I'm the chosen one. You fool. I think two people have done it at this point. I can't remember who, but yeah, there was one time where he it actually was, got It was the... Eddie and... I think it was one of the other radicals where it's like, really? I think it was like Perry Saturn or something where it's like, okay, they can't leave until all four powerbomb Billy Kidman. Maybe. That that sounds right. So Kidman hits the face buster because, of, of course, course he does. He then signals for the shooting star press and goes up top and then Psychosis very slowly rolls onto his stomach. So Kidman doesn't do that. He just, he, like, jump and stomp. He hits, he hits, like, a diving stomp. I'm guessing somebody missed their cue because Team Madness then runs down to the ring. I think they were supposed to come down well, a little earlier. Yeah. yeah. And by Team Madness, because Barry so wasn't saying Sid was part of that last week, he is officially part of that. So five of them come down to the ring. It's the three women and Sid and Savage. They beat down the two of them, and Sid signals for the powerbomb on Psychosis. And in the middle of him starting to do this move, Sting then runs down, and Sid just kind of calmly finishes the move and just walks out of the ring while Sting is standing in the ring. It's like, so do uh, we know why Matt T. Madness decided to interfere on this match? Just because commentary was just kind of saying, "Oh, they're just like flexing their muscle; they can do whatever they want," kind of thing. So yeah. let's just ruin this fun match. Oh, speaking of commentary. I think he might have been onto something with uh, Sable in the audience last week. Because on commentary this time, during the match, they start talking about the, the Hummer again. And 
they're like, in a, I can't remember who started the conversation, but they were like, in a court of law, who would you say is driving the Hummer? And they go into this whole conversation like, oh, I think Eric Bischoff said it could be a woman. And then like, well, what if it's someone who's not in WCW? I swear like, at one hmm, point they one like. one person that fits both of those criteria that we saw last week. Yeah. And I swear at one point they like try to reference her and like very much stop oh, really? dead in their tracks. Uh, by the way, yeah, it definitely will not be Sable. Apparently, well, it was determined that because she quit and was not released or anything, she is technically still under contract <laughs> and cannot show up on a rival wrestling show as part of said contract. Fucking lame. So, yeah, Team Madness just suddenly bails without much explanation. Sting helps up Kidman and Psychosis. And then Kevin Nash comes out once... Team Madness has kind of bailed far enough around the corner. Yeah. Like once they have fully cleared the set, now Kevin Nash is like, oh, I'm here too. Got a mic in hand and he asked Sting what's up with them just leaving with no fight. That was kind of weird. And especially because he's like, oh yeah, I was watching last week's Nitro and notice you showed up in that Hummer. Okay, yeah, this is what I was talking about. Like, they, they brought this up in the story. Yes. I just don't remember if it was a black or white Hummer last week. It was definitely week. a black Hummer. I was saying last week. Yeah, it was definitely a black Hummer. Okay. I guess, it, yeah, I guess it couldn't be the same white Hummer because that shit got wrecked. I guess it actually didn't get that totaled. It actually was in pretty good shape. It's for It's probably still in the body shop. So Sting is just like, yeah, it's not me. I'm just going to clear this up. <laughs> and Nash's big line is like, oh, if it is, you'll have to deal with me, franchise boy. But Sting's still like, it wasn't fucking me. Why yeah. are we doing this? Well, to be fair, Sting's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I, I didn't drive it, so uh, I'm fine. So this isn't a problem, Your man. threat means nothing. <laughs> and uh, that's it for Kevin Nash tonight. Oh, my God. That is all the Kevin Nash we got. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. God bless. Uh, thoughts on the match before it got stopped? I, I mean, liked the match. The yeah, match was good. I mean, Kidman absolutely just could have won the Shoe Star Press there and then had them come in. and. Yeah. But they wanted to flick through missiles or whatever, and they wanted to show that they're better than, you know, the cruiserweights. It's always the cruiserweights that get shit on. Yeah. I liked the match a lot. This, the interference didn't make sense to me because in my head, there's no reason why Team Madness need to interfere on this match. But Yeah. It, it, it's like, it's what you would expect from a Kidman and Psychosis match. Yeah. And it's like, that's not a bad thing. Right. We then go backstage and Roddy Piper and Ric Flair are hanging out. In front of a big seal for, for the president. So in, in office, I guess. Yeah, they both just get hyped up and book. Okay, sorry. They're hyped up. I don't know if I would call it hyped up or coked up. <laughs> I was going to say, who would you call it coked up? Because holy shit were these two erratic. It was like, it was almost hard to follow. Like I followed what they were saying, but it was so like, okay, man, what we're going to do, we're going to have these two go together. And then what do you want to do after that? We're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do a bash the beach. No, we're going to do it tonight. Like, what the fuck? They guys? also hold this level for their promo later there was some white powder being passed backstage there had to have been (laughs) definitely used to be i think i think it's rick flair's story of literally just having coke all over the bed and having all the wrestlers come in and just you know take what you want or i guess do what you want Don't, don't take what you want no you're not taking any of this with you out of the room unless it's in your body it was just it was so erratic so the two matches they book are one for Bash the Beach, which is Sting and Kevin Nash versus Sid and Randy Savage, which I'm kind of guessing we don't get. Probably not. why would you not have it be a title match? 
because well, their their premise for that match, if you were following it at all, they were like, "Oh yeah, those two hate each other. That'll be a great match. They hate all. Everybody hates each other in that match." Like what? <laughs> Although I guess it's it's not ridiculous for them to do, or ridiculous probably is the right word. It's not out of the question for them to make a tag match for a singles title. It's been really? it's been done in wrestling. That's a um, spoiler. That's how David Arquette wins it. Spoilers. But yeah, like I know we're nowhere near King of the Ring for WWE, but I don't. Th- I think they do that next year, not this year. I don't know. It's happened. It's always kind of dumb when they do. Anytime they do any singles title in a tag match, it always comes off weird. Mm. But. They don't say it's for the title, so I don't... They don't say it, but again, they might be coked out of their mind and have forgotten. Commentary doesn't note it either, so as of sure. right now, it's not... Um, I'm guessing that gets changed to, frankly, Nash versus Savage and Sting versus Sid. But we're also going to get Sid versus Sting tonight. Yeah, that was the second match that they booked. Yeah, and that gets hyped up throughout the entire yeah. match. So that's basically our main event. Yeah. And that's exciting. Might actually see Sid wrestle. Yeah. We were supposed to last week. Yeah. Anyway. Back at commentary, Tony narrates the end and post-match of Flair versus Piper from Great American Bash. And then kind of recaps the story from last week. Which was just generally a thing this week of... Like, oh, yeah. I, if you didn't see Nitro last week, I'm also assuming you did the pay-per-view. So we'll just recap both. Yeah. Which I appreciate. I always appreciate a recap package. Match number two, I get Lenny Lane versus a returning Meng. My first thought, this the beginning of this match was, holy shit, Lenny Lane is about to get murdered. Yeah, was that before or after you saw Meng's perm? <laughs> it was before, but I did love the perm. <laughs> I wrote, this should be quick. Um, it was not as quick as you would think. No, uh, it definitely, um, I'd say it went long enough, but the match literally starts... The fun chant from the crowd. Some, yeah, well. Some nice homophobic slur chant from the crowd. It's 1999, and we did have a conversation about this where it was not as stigmatized in social settings as it is now. That doesn't make it okay, and it's still really disturbing to hear in a social setting. And watch a child do it. Oh, my God. Some dad had his kid on his shoulders, and they were yelling the F slur. It's like, oh, God. It, it hurts. It's really hard to watch now. Like... Even I like, really I did turn it up. I'm like they can't be. Oh, no, no they are. Yeah, fine. It doesn't make it okay. I think it was more. I was surprised it was still on the network or Peacock. True, true. They didn't mute it on Peacock. You're right. I didn't think about that. It's just one of those things about '90s wrestling that just it it puts it into perspective the timing of things because it's it's hard to watch now. But we talked about when we were kids, like when we were in elementary school, that word was getting thrown around with like a whole bunch of other words now that are like, whoa, we do not say that anymore. Yeah. It's just, it's a weird time change and it doesn't make it okay. Yeah. It's a real Xbox Live uh, vibe from this crowd. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So Meng, in the actual match, Meng no sells Lane's offense and just beats the shit out of him. Lodi then comes out holding, oh, comes down to the ring. Hey. Freddie and slip there. Oh, I didn't think about it. He comes down to the ring. I literally made sure to write comes down because I didn't want to make the accidental joke. <laughs> well, it comes down with a sign and it doesn't say anything in note. I think one side says, I, was say, yeah. I think one side says Lo- Lodi rules. Other ones like Lenny's going to win or something. It's, it's nothing. 
Okay, because I saw it with the sign. I was like, oh, that's cute. He's supporting him. Whatever. Well, that's okay. also just Lodi's gimmick is the sign. Okay. Was he sign guy? He's not sign guy Dudley now. This is just ripped this from is just sign. A different guy. Okay. This is just ripped off sign okay. guy Dudley. Because it's been a minute since we've seen Lodi, so I was like, is yeah, sign I think guy last Dudley? time we saw him, he lost a Perry Saturn. Is my gut instinct? I don't remember. So yeah, um, Lane goes to the top rope. Men catches him with a tongue and death grip and pins him. That's the end. Yeah. And then Lodi helps Lane up, and Lane acts like he's dead and just keeps falling down. We do need to talk about the unfortunate sideburns. Which is, this is why, like, yes, the the characterization of the two, but the look of Lenny and Lodi. Or just just Lodi and Cyborgs. Lenny doesn't have them. But the combination of the two is what made me think this is Billy and Chuck, or this is inspiration for Billy and Chuck. Because you remember the facial hair on, on Billy and Chuck? No, it was and on Rico. Rico. On Rico, too. It's the inspiration. Billy and Chuck didn't really have the facial hair. It was just Rico. No, they just had the really bleach blonde hair, which yeah. both of these guys have. So yeah. they had the bleach blonde hair and the dark sideburns, which that contrast i don't like so those two became the three of billy chuck and rico yeah i imagine we'll see more of these guys that we want to because also yeah. it's not like either of them are great workers it'd be different if they were really good wrestlers they're just not great and get the nitro girls again oh they have a prop this time oh is this, this is the hat one they had a hat which they literally don't put on until the very end, and it's, then they immediately take it off. It's a super glittery top hat that they're just kind of like throwing around, and they're like, oh, we have a prop. The Nitro Girls are just slipping, man. Spice wasn't in the show. Was she not? No, I, she uh, wasn't there this night. Okay. Didn't make it down to New Orleans, I guess. Oh, we should also mention. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say, but go on. So while we were watching the show, Nick decided to do a little Google search of how far is the Superdome oh, from oh, Bourbon I was, Street? I was going to say something else. Go on. Oh. So Nick decided to do a Google search of how far the Superdome was from Bourbon Street. Let me tell you, it's not far, especially if you're bar hopping and you're Yes, yeah, less than a mile. It's like a tight 20-minute walk. Well, I, I didn't... I thought you were going to mention the uh, meet and greet you were able to do, where you could uh, do an autograph signing with the Nitro Girls at the Piggly Wiggly. Oh, the Piggly Wiggly! <laughs> Which just missed died. No, I missed that. No, I was just thinking about how drunk this audience oh, was. Yeah. They were so drunk. I can't imagine these were expensive tickets. But boy, was this crowd having a good time. On commentary, Tony talks Hummers and Mystery. I have stopped counting how many times they mentioned the Hummer in this episode. It's so many. So we uh, we go to the ring for a they, decently hyped segment. I keep talking about it. Uh, it's going to be a birthday party with the No Limit Soldiers. They come down to the ring, all fucking 75 of them. Jesus, there's so many of them. And despite the fact that they are in Masterpiece hometown, the crowd seems at, the, at this point indifferent to him. Yeah, it was a pretty dead crowd. Like, for as drunk and rowdy as this crowd was, they did not care about the No Limit Soldiers. I wonder if it's a twofold thing of one, they already saw him earlier perform. True. And two, there's so many guys that it's almost hard to pick him out. I guess, he, you know, he's always in True. the white camo as opposed to the regular camo. Was he? He usually is. But okay. there's just so many guys that it's like. And er, he's not exceptionally big either. No. Like He's very much the same size as these guys. It's not like regular sized guys coming out with like, you know, the big show or something. You can't really like pick him out of the crowd unless you really know who you're looking for. 
So he has the crowd sing happy birthday to his brother. They actually bring one drunk guy from ringside up to sing. And I'm almost like, does Master P not know the words to happy birthday? Yeah, because he kept going around like, <laughs> you know who happy words. birthday. Who knows it? Who knows the words? I'm like, bud, what? Were you never invited to a birthday party? Or is it because technically that song is under copyright? He wants to clear himself legally. <laughs> oh, I didn't sing it. This guy did. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You might be onto something. I don't think I am. He's not that smart. Well, yeah, the crowd boos the happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, they are not into this birthday Which, party. Which you were confused by it. I'm like, I'd fucking boo it. I'm not here to do Oh, you know this guy you've never seen or heard of. Yeah, it's his birthday, so we're all we're gonna stop the show so you can sing to him. Okay, but you don't boo people at like a restaurant when the uh when the waiters come around, like, happy, happy birthday. You don't go, boo. Well, how long have I been waiting on my steak? <laughs> I don't know. So Kurt Hedig then comes out, and he says he comes in peace and has a gift for Master P's brother. He apologizes for, quote, dropping the CD. Oh, yeah, that was a great line. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I dropped it. Just, like, it's such a fake apology, oh, yeah. but... But, yeah, he has a gift for Master P's brother. Well, he nears the ring, and, like, when he gets there... The Nolan Switch like immediately like close his way out. It's like Jesus, yeah. it's, it comes off so heelish. Yeah. I'm also convinced that Masterpiece still does not know his name because he <laughs> only calls him Cowboy. Yeah, he never calls him Kurt or Mr. Perfect or any iteration of his name. It's just Cowboy. So Henning's gift is a custom cowboy hat, according to him. Which is honestly like a nice gift. So he gives it to Masterpiece's brother. Masterpiece like, I always wanted to be a cowboy. And then stomps on the hat. And then they throw a cake in Kurt Hedding's face. They, like, continue to throw cake in his face. Yeah. Then he leaves the ring. Then they throw the cake at him again. And he grabs the hat. And he walks to the back so sadly. It was like... Like, I understand that this was an argument. And this was, this was a... This was a point of contention the last time we saw these two together. It's their whole storyline. But this didn't feel mean on Kurt Hedding's side. This just this literally felt like a peace offering. Like we can we can bury the hatchet and be friends. It didn't feel like I'm gonna give you a gift. Ah, fuck you! You're on my side now. It's a it's a cowboy hat. <laughs> I win. It didn't feel like that. It just felt like a nice gift, and it just got absolutely shit on. Yeah, the No Limit Soldiers came off so bad here. Yeah. They came off like assholes, and I don't think it helped that they really held on. Credit walking to the back really he slow. Was sad. He was so like the Incredible Hulk sad, you know, walking away theme should have played. <laughs> but like the audience was also super not into this segment. So when the No Limit Soldiers were in the ring, going, you know, hootie hoo, whatever, we win, we're better than him. Yeah, th- that, that didn't help. The audience was like, a, not a man sadly it. walking away to people hootie hooing him. It's just like, oh, this is just weird. It just felt mean. It was, yeah. It was and rough. the crowd was just dying, too. Like, yeah. They're over it. I, Man, I... They are over this storyline. I stand line. by. I think Masterpiece done in the pay-per-view. If he makes it that if long. If he makes it that far, yeah. Do you think he'll show up again on TV before that? I think they'll have him be on one of the two. Okay. That's my guess. And then finish his story out at Bash at the Beach. Yeah. We'll see. So let's head over to match number three on the night. It is Juventud Guerrera against somebody else who's returning tonight. Yeah. Although, is he? He's returning to in-ring action. He randomly returned a couple weeks ago. To talk on commentary, yeah. It's Eddie Guerrero. To, like, no fanfare. Yeah. Commentary doesn't even really note that he's back until he's, like, in the it ring. It was bizarre. Because, like, 
we heard Hooventude's theme go. We're like, oh, cool, Hoovy. Haven't seen him in a minute. And then we hear, like, the very faint start of Eddie's. And you look at me and you're like, is that Eddie's theme? I'm like, no, they would have said something about Eddie's return. And then out he comes, stupid rat tail and all. That's even a rat tail. That little braid down his back. No, that is a sizable braid. Have you seen the rats in Baltimore? They're pretty sizable. I'm that saying, could be a rat's tail. Okay, I'm saying maybe it's a Baltimore rat <laughs> it's tail. It's a Baltimore rat tail. Like, like Lance Storm had the rat tail. This is something else. This is a commitment. He had to choose to not cut this. This is the rat king tail. <laughs> so when Hoovy comes out, you can tell the stage is still slippery. Mm-hmm. Is this from the cake? No, it's just the stage. They still have not fixed it. Oh, you're talking about the ramp. You said the stage. Uh, yeah, it's the stage ramp. It, it's a matter of, it from when they change over the set, they still have not fixed the, the top of the ramp. Yeah, he almost falls. He like slips and catches himself, but he almost falls. Yeah. He comes out full of energy and Eddie comes out just scowling. It's like, oh. Yeah, he is not happy. Which he came out totally as a face last time. I'm just still, I'm so set on, like, this is supposed to be a big deal, and it is just not a big deal. Yeah, like, the guy could have died. Yeah. They get in the ring, and Hoovy hugs Eddie, and Eddie does not hug him back. And they don't really mention it on commentary, but based on emotion Eddie does, it seems like Eddie is trying to tell the story of, like, yeah, you all took off your shirts and left the LWO when I, you know... Let, yeah. when, when I was gone, like, what the fuck, dude? I mean, that sounds like a logical story for, like, why he'd be in heel mode against Hoovy. Well, I also remember at the time, we're like, yeah, why is Hoovy not running the LWO? The LWO just kind of vanished when Eddie did. Well, yeah, I mean, like... like it li- just died. Well, I mean, yeah, literally, like, Ric Flair asked them, hey, just stop being a thing and, and join us. Yeah. And they did. Everyone besides Ray did, which also really didn't get picked up. But Ray didn't even want to be in the LWO in the first place. That whole story was so fucked. Yeah. But I'm glad I had the same thought as Eddie Guerrero of like, why didn't you just run the LWO, dude? What the fuck? Yeah. So he then slaps Hoovy and the match is on. Eddie is pretty vicious in the opening bits of this match. Oh, yeah. He's just destroying Hoovy. Some nice hard chops from mm-hmm. both of them. We had a very speedy tilt-a-whirl backbreaker that made you gasp. Yeah. That was scary. Hoovy chops Eddie back hard. And we get an interesting spot here of... Eddie's working over Hoovy and then suddenly tries for a power bomb, and then no good motherfucker Hooventud Guerrera just steals <laughs> Kidman's spot and yeah. hits a spot and hits a face buster. Jerk! I was what like, an excuse asshole. you. That is gimmick infringement, sir. That's not yours. So Eddie then uses the ref to distract Hoovy and hits a drop kick to the knee. He then throws Hoovy off the ropes and gets him in a Glargay style sleeper hold before the commercial break. I still don't totally know what a Glargay sleeper hold is. We'll eventually figure it out. Back from commercial, they pick up the pace until Eddie hits a brain buster, which also just kind of happens in passing. Eddie then glares at the crowd some more, which prompts an Eddie sucks chance. Which, how dare you? This is his first time back in the ring. You showed this man some respect. You get a wheelbarrow bulldog from Hoovy. He then hits a missile dropkick and then dives over the top rope onto Eddie. Back in the ring, he hits a springboard spin kick. Signals for the Hoovy driver. When he goes for it, Eddie counters into... It's a weird move. It's like kind of a gory special that turns into... I call it like a a, spinning neckbreaker thing. Yeah, but but that's what it becomes. It starts off in a similar position to... I think it's like his dad's finisher? It's someone prominent in his family had the gory special. I would not know. As mentioned, it turns into a spinning neckbreaker. 
Eddie then hits the frog splash and gets the win. Which, like, good. Eddie should win. I thought this was a really good match. This was, yeah. This was a good return back to the ring for Eddie, too. So this also solidifies, like, his heel turn. I mean, yeah, at least against the cruiserweight Latino community. Like, I mean, I think just in general, just that, like, the kind of general attitude is mm-hmm. heelish. It, it's funny you say heel turn because... Technically, he left as a heel, but then he came back. But he came back as like a kind of face on commentary. <laughs> he came, he came so. back so bland that it was just like he couldn't really tell. He came back almost not in kayfabe. Yeah, well, it, I feel like it was. It didn't feel like kayfabe at all. And, and now, it's, oh yeah, no, no, I'm back, now I'm back to being the character. Yeah, but I'm glad to see him back. I feel like you could have had him come back as a face and could have been celebrated. But oh yeah. It, 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 He'll do good work. I trust him. I mean, yeah. I feel like he still should have gotten some sort of fanfare. They did never really close the him and Ray feud. So we'll see if that comes back up. Uh, We do have a few more years before they feud over over Dominic. Well, Ray's a little busy with Master P right now. Hootie who. On to match number four in our, uh, we had a trend tonight of uh, matches that had a really good chance of being good and then matches that had no, really no chance at all. If we were skip watching, I would have immediately skipped past this match. Emily, you want to take us through this match? Do I have to? Can you? I There's not much to tell. It's mostly just me being, the match is Prince Iakea versus Ernest the Cat Miller and Sonny Ono. There, I, this, most of my notes for this match are, God, why the fuck am I watching this? Well. Iakea may have not gotten music. If he did, it was so faint we couldn't hear it. Right. So the cat comes out in a unitard that matches his weapon. I mean shoes. And that will come up later, I guess. Sonny Ono cuts a promo to the camera while they're coming out. But because it's a dubbed theme, it's entirely inaudible. They're both talking. They didn't even try. So the cat dances, then cuts a cheap promo. And, um... What okay. happens at the end of the promo, Emily? So he's like, he's doing the cheap promo thing. He calls out this like fat guy in one of the front rows. And he like told, tells him to get in the ring and fight him. Like, I don't even know if the guy actually was fat. It's just oh, a, no. just a it's, cheap line. Of, come on, easy. fat boy. Yeah, it's just easy. So he like tells the guy like, yeah, get in the ring. Come fight me. Whatever. Like, you know, the heels do that. This guy takes it as a challenge and he actually does hop the barricade and try to get into the ring. And he's escorted out by security. <laughs> I'm kind of on the guy's side. Yeah, that is a weird thing in wrestling of, I'm going to taunt you to come fight me, and then, but you're not allowed. Yeah, because like, he very clearly was like talking to this guy in particular and said, come into the ring and fight me. And it didn't help that like, during the fight? birthday segment, they invited a guy Another in the guy ring, up, yeah. and it was fine. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm on this audience member side. I hope he didn't get like fully thrown out of the show, but I'm sure he did. Which I just realized we didn't talk about the other guy's weird fake afro. He had an afro? He had a weird wig on. Oh, I totally missed that. Because his buddy was wearing a silver afro wig. I completely missed the wig look. Anyway. Does not matter. So the match starts when the cat tries to pie face Iakea with the shoe. So Iakea throws a forearm and the match starts. Big side kick from the cat gets to two. We get an Insiguri and then like a torture rack style Samoan drop from Iakea. Speaking of torture racks... Are you talking about the, the, this is the, the first, guy? This is the first instance we see of there is a couple in the audience right behind the hard camera, like right on the hard camera, right behind like the wrestlers. The hus- I'm guessing it's a husband and wife or a boyfriend, girlfriend. The guy of the relationship has the woman of the relationship on his shoulders and is just like bouncing her in a torture rack for a while. And like yeah. he puts her down 
And then he picks her back up later on, and it just it keeps going. Yeah. They were more entertaining than this match. They visited Bourbon Street beforehand. I mean, I would have. So Ono distracts the ref, and Kat wins with the shoe again. It's just the same thing. It's the same thing. The exact same thing. And once again, he puts the shoe on, does the move, throws the shoe off, like which makes you think, oh, the shoe's a weapon. It's not a fucking weapon. It's a shoe. I'm going to say something you might not like. I don't think this is the cat's fault. I think he is not being given anything interesting. I think if he was given something of substance, he could make it work. He does have charisma. No, he's not a bad wrestler. Yeah, it's just he's working with guys that, you know, are eh, not given a great spot. I also think he has a lack of creativity of his own. Yes, I would agree with that where... He comes out and cuts the same promo every week. Yeah, I I don't know the structure of WCW backstage enough to know whether it's producers telling him to do the same thing or if it's just him going, I can coast doing this or... Frankly, he doesn't have any of the better ideas. All, I think it's all, that. All three are possible. Because like, we hear stories about other wrestlers like come out and like kind of cutting promos and saying what they want to say. Like, you know, ask for forgiveness, not for permission sort of things. But when the cat comes out and does the exact same shit every week, maybe he's just afraid of like losing his job. So he does yeah, what is safe. Because, I mean, the, the crowd is booing. They're trying I to mean, hop yeah. the barricade. So I guess it's working. It's working, but it's just boring. It's working the live crowd. It's not really working the TV right. crowd. But I guess as long as it's getting a pop, like that that, to, that pop to him, I guess, is job security. I don't so know. it could be that. But it's also just really getting old. Yeah. I, I, I want to see him do something else. Yeah. I, can we, like, I don't understand the cape. At the end. I guess I do, but I don't. Because whenever the cat wins a match, Sonny Ono runs into the into the ring and puts a cape on him that the cat immediately shrugs off. And then Sonny puts the cat the cape back on him to get out of the ring, it doesn't even which he like immediately a, takes well, off again. It, it doesn't seem like a shrugs off. It seems like he, he almost like hulks out of it. Like he's just so excited he can't even be but contained did, again, by it. He yeah, did I don't, this the last couple of weeks too. I, I don't get it either. What's the point of the cape if you're not going to keep it on? I, I, I don't know. I think... Once Sonny Ono is gone, they might do the cat well. I have low hopes. So let's move on to our next match. It's like, yeah, nothing in between. Just no. Match, match, bam, match. Bam, bam, bam. No, he's not in this match, babe. Yes, he is, kind of. Um, yeah, actually, shit, he is. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, next match is Canyon against another person who's returning. Which Booker. I guess, guess Prince Iakea was... Returning to our show. <laughs> this was I would not Nitra. call Prince Iakea a return. But yeah, uh, Canyon versus Booker T. Hell yeah. Who kind of gets his return spoiled by Canyon casually mentioning he's facing Booker T. When did he say that? In his pre-match promo. He's like, before I beat Booker T's ass or whatever. Who's better than Canyon? Oh, I didn't think of that as a spoil. I mean, it's just like, you kind of created that, wait, what? Oh, and then Booker T's music then hits and I feel like it's not a great pop for him. The crowd's into him once the match starts, but it's just like a... Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, Booker's here. Speaking of themes, why is Canyon's theme so spooky? I think it's his Mortis theme is my guess. I don't know. I really don't have a good reason for it. It just sounded so Halloween. Yeah, which I had to show you Mortis during... We were watching this because I was speculating that at the time. Where it's just like a spooky Halloween kind of Mortal Kombat style outfit. Yeah. I just, why can't we just get a new theme? Or we've been letting guys come out with no theme. Why can't we do no theme? Why do we have to go to an old gimmick for a theme? I don't. I don't know. Why, why can't the Jersey Triad get a weird Jer- Jersey Boys theme? 
Why are we calling them Jersey Triad when Jersey Boys is less syllables? Because that's trademark. Not on this podcast, it's not. Frankie Valley will be coming for you. Fight me, Frankie. <laughs> how long ago did Frankie Valley die? Yeah, exactly. Uh, how long ago do you think? Like 30 years, probably. I'm guessing he died in like the 80s. Emily, he's still alive. No. He's 87. Really? This man probably has, this man is probably connected to. Damn it, I thought he died like 30 years ago. God, he's from Newark. Oh, he's, he's absolutely connected. Oh. Um, I'm sorry. I will not be ever calling them the Jersey Boys ever again. They cut are that, the Jersey Triad. So, yeah, Booker's apparently back from injury. They were sitting like a, some sort of like meniscus injury or something. A meniscus. <laughs> they poured the drink too high. The meniscus overflowed. <laughs> crowd is definitely happy to see Booker once he's in the ring. It wasn't a great pop for him, but. They also don't always mic the crowd up great during no. the entrances, so. I did know these two are really animated in the ring together. Yeah. I think they just, like, they bring the animation out of each other. I, I never see Canyon like this, either. I think it was also this match, like a lot of matches tonight, goes for a while. So it's like, you know, you can take a little time and play to the crowd. And... Yeah, but again, it went for a while. Didn't really feel like it dragged. No. I really enjoyed this match. I'm just going to throw it out there. So Booker gets the better of Canning early on and then just kind of pumps up the crowd. And yeah, they're, they're eating out of his hand. Yeah. Booker hits a flying forearm and clotheslines Canning to the outside. And then we go to commercial. Back from commercial, we get a 10-punch spot, a missed sidekick, and then weird botch, but they quickly recover and Canning hits a neck breaker. It's like, okay. They just like, they managed to snap back in quick. There was a point in this match where Booker, like, it's a very simple move of like hitting the arm bar. Or, like, I can't remember, maybe it was an arm drag or arm bar, just, like, twisting the arm and, like... <laughs> just going full list of Jericho there. Yes. <laughs> He's holding Canyon's arm. And usually in those, like, arm bar moves, you don't really get a lot of the opponent, like, trying to squirm and get out of it. It's usually just a hold. And I noticed in this match, Canyon really trying to, like, sell it and try to, like, get out of that hold. And it was a little thing, but, like, I appreciated it. I didn't note when it is in the match, but there's one point where... Booker gets the better of Canyon, and Canyon, like, scoots back and then sees the camera near him and just turns to it and apparently goes, who's better than Canyon? Nobody! Right. It's like, it just came Canyon off so very weird aware. and animated. <laughs> I love it. He's very aware of his surroundings and, like, what's working and what's not, especially with Booker. Like, these two work well in the ring together. I want to see more of them. We get a Brett's rope leg drop from Canyon, and then Canyon locks in... A reverse Boston Crab, which I think is also called the Billy Goat's Curse. Mm. But, yeah, he has the legs. And, you know, picture Boston Crab or Walls Jericho, but he's facing Booker's head while holding the legs. Booker manages to reverse it into a pin in, like, a really nice athletic spot. Oh, I'm my like, God, yeah. Booker tries for a sunset flip from the apron at one point, but Canyon turns it into a bridging suplex. This, and I'm like, fuck. This was so, like, you know how I feel about bridge suplexes. Yeah. It was so impressive. Like, I was so impressed by Canyon in this match. Yeah, I think they actually do note that his old nickname is, like, the innovator of offense or something. Hmm. Yeah, he does a lot of cool moves. Just usually they don't lead to a pinfall, which is the unfortunate thing. And Canyon is, like, so often, at least in our showing, within a a team. Yeah. You don't really see a lot of Canyon one-on-one. And it's usually the, he's here to take the pin out of the two. Yeah. I like him in singles. He deserves more of a spotlight. Get a vertical suplex followed by a slingshot elbow from Canyon. 
Booker ducks for a back body drop, but Canyon hits a nice Russian leg sweep. Booker gains the advantage, hits his Harlem sidekick, then a spin kick and a flapjack. Hits another Harlem sidekick and signals to go up top for a, a missile drop kick. And then, unfortunately, DDP and Bam Bam Bigelow run in. Yeah. Another match ended with an interference. Yeah. All three men beat down Booker. And that's pretty much segment. We got a diamond cutter to Nick Patrick and then a double diamond cutter onto the underside of the title belt. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it didn't feel know. as devastating. But it's just a bummer. I wanted a clean finish to this match. Yeah. No, I literally wrote bummer of a finish, but I liked the match. Yeah. It was a very good match. And impressive showing by Canyon. I mean, if this leads to Booker working with, you know, these guys, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I feel like we bring it up almost every episode of like, oh, yeah, remember the whole Stevie Ray story with Booker? If Booker needs a tag team partner. Mm. I haven't seen the black and white in a while. Like them as a team together? No, oh, we saw them last week. Just not. In, not all of them. Yeah, though. not all of them. I mean, Stevie, we definitely haven't seen I haven't him seen in a Stevie while in a ago. minute, but no. I don't know. I feel like they're starting to kind of phase that storyline out. Not the Stevie Ray Booker T storyline, but the the black and white storyline. So I was trying to remember who all was in the black and white, because I remember there's five of them. Yes. And you'll appreciate this. I merged Horace Hogan and Scott Norton in my brain. It's easy to do. <laughs> oh, no, they look so different. How could you possibly get them mixed up? Let's move on. That's Nick's way of saying you're right. I'm wrong. We had a Mean Gene interview with Ric Flair and Roddy Piper with Arn Anderson and Asia. So this is the first time. I I know her name is Asia and I know there is a Y in her name. I have never known where to put the Y. Neither have I. This is the first time I actually looked at the title card and figured out where to put the Y. Okay, did I guess right? Which, which letter is it after? S. Okay, I got it. Okay, because I've been spelling her name A-Y-S-I-A. Okay. Because that's still Asia. I've been doing A-Y-S-A. Which is also Asia. Yeah. <laughs> so it's A-S-Y-A, which doesn't sound like Asia to me in my head. Look. It sounds like Asia. At the end of the day, <laughs> there was no confusion about what China's name was. Right. Yeah. We knew China's name. Asia. <laughs> so they all come out to Piper's theme, which I thought was a little interesting. Yeah. I found that weird. Not much to make of that, though, I don't think. No. Because to me, that sounds like this might just be like creative thinking for wrestling. But to me, this is Flair leading Roddy Piper into a false sense of security leading up to a turn. See, my thought was, oh, they came to Flair's theme last week. So they came to Piper's theme this week. But between the like the office scene and now this whole scene and coming out to the, the theme, to me, it's like Flair is really trying to like make Roddy Piper be like, yeah, you're one of us. You're my guy. You're my boy. I'm going to fucking kill you. I think the I'm going to kill you is a little more implied in <laughs> subtext. I don't think it's meant to be as overstated. But no, I, I mean, it, it could. In kayfabe, you, you could see it being a like, you know what? We want to make Roddy feel welcome. Exactly. Like, And then turn on him. Maybe not actively part of the plan, but they'll make, they're, they're definitely leaving that door open. <laughs> if I was booking, that would be my plan for a month from now. So Piper starts his promo at a 10 and pretty much stays there. Mm-hmm. He calls he calls Buffy a whiner. And then in what was almost my best bit of the night, he mockingly does Buff's dance and taunt. 
<laughs> Which, when watching somebody else do it, was fucking it hilarious. It looks stupid. His taunt is stupid. He also notes that he's not a vampire and Buff doesn't have a wooden stake. Which, like, good joke. So Gene notes they're close to Bourbon Street and then... This might have been what triggered you to Google it. No, I definitely Googled it earlier because I was like, these dudes are drunk. How close are they? (laughs) But this prompts Ric Flair to cut his part of the promo about banging whores. Well, you know, what he says before he goes into... Well, no, he does talk about, like, sleeping with the audience's mom. He says something like, either I have a lot of grandkids or I'm sleeping with your moms tonight. Like, what? I don't understand his I, okay. I think I actually know what the fuck he meant by that. Okay. <laughs> I think that was just based on a bunch of people going woo. I think he's like, either I have a lot of grandchildren. Like, oh, like, you know, I'm related to people because they're going woo. Or a bunch of you want to ride Space Mountain, like, meaning you're all into me. Okay. But no, after he says that... I think that's it. Maybe. After that, he does say, like... He does kind of give an explanation more so of why they don't like Buff Bagwell. Like, just a cut and dry, like... He says, Buff represents what I detest. He's looking for a free handout. He's just whining to try to get what he wants. And, like, that is cut and dry and clear to me. It's not just, like, I don't like him because he's Buff, whatever. Like, that was more straightforward. Yeah, they also mentioned, like, oh, yeah, you can't beat Ric Flair, which I think they needed just to add a little more verbiage because Buff did pin him, but it was, you know, a mess of a finish. It's like, okay, okay I you didn't d- remember that. It's like, yeah, you didn't beat him straight up. I didn't remember Buff pinning Ric Flair. When was that? Last week. I really don't remember that. It was the uh, four on four match. Oh, yes. I do remember this because we thought it was weird that they let Buff get the pin. Yeah, well, related related to what yes. we said about Canyon. Because we thought Canyon was going to yeah. take the pin. Yeah, okay. Now I'm now I'm with you. I'm there. Well, yeah, they just said you can't beat Ric Flair. It's like, well, kind of did. Kind of. So Flair then goes into a whole thing about how Buff's girlfriend called him last night and they totally fucked and this prompts Buff to come out. Which, I'm getting talking about my girlfriend. Well, the way Buff comes out, I'm like, oh shit, did Rick bang her? Because <laughs> the way you're angry makes it look like he definitely did. Or or you're just so thin-skinned that the idea of somebody sleeping with your girlfriend... Was Does like, he have a girlfriend? I don't know. I'm sure he has tons. He is the stuff. So he comes out and clocks Flair, but then Piper hits him from behind... And they beat up Buff a little bit, and there's a ref in the ring, and I'm like, I guess this is a match? And then Flair grabs a mic and is like, yeah, this is a match, handicap match. And he's, like, doing the beginning part of the match with the mic in his hand, too. Yeah, well, he wants to make, well, he wants to hear Buff make the noise his girlfriend made last night. Yeah. Which, weird kink? Yeah, I didn't like that. I did think it was funny about how when Buff got into the ring, Ric Flair was distracted because he was flirting with women on, like, the barricade. There wasn't really a big pop for Buff, so he did actually, like, sneak into the <laughs> ring. I was pretty impressed with the sneak. Oh, Buff's not over, so this really worked. It, honestly, yeah. <laughs> it worked really well. I guess, to be fair, there are tons of moments in wrestling where someone's about to do something and all of a sudden there's a massive pop and the heels, like, don't react. I and it's mean, like, yeah. what do you think you're But also, like, the other, the other people, part of Team Flair, 
also weren't like, hey, yo, here comes Buff. Careful now. So let's get into the handicap match. Flair taunts Buff on the mic and then chops him. Buff eventually starts no-selling and starts to punch Flair, but then Piper comes in, which is a common thing in this match of Piper just kind of coming in and derailing whatever's happening with Buff. Yeah, but I will give Buff a lot of credit because he's heated at the beginning of this match. And I, like, at the beginning I, of this match. I mean, yeah. And I also want to give Roddy Piper credit because he's actually letting Buff get some offense and like make him look good. I, th- I wonder if we have different feelings on this match. Oh. We're running through it. Because Buff is almost immediately back on offense after Piper, you know, interfered. Yeah. It's like, okay, what was the point of that then? Buff clocks Arn on the floor and Buff fights them all off, does his strut while everybody yeah. regroups. See, that's the problem. I was into the... I was complimenting Buff in my head and they did the fucking strut and I hate the strut. Well, Piper tags in and things get real sloppy once Piper's in there. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. It's Piper. <laughs> He also locks in a sleeper, which traditionally is his finisher, but literally I don't think has gotten a pop the entire time we've been watching and he's done it. So I think that's just one I need to get over. Yeah, I think so. I, I, mean, I guess I haven't seen him win with it. So there's that. So I, I guess until he starts winning with it, I'll, I, I'll get over it. Okay. We get a low blow right in front of the ref by Buff. DQ? <laughs> I actually didn't notice the. Low blow. Buff misses a drop kick, so Flair tries for a figure four, but Buff turns into an cr- inside cradle, but only gets a two. Flair hits a low blow, but they have the goddamn common courtesy to distract <laughs> the ref. Ten out of ten. <laughs> ten out of ten low blow. With all the backstage politics in WCW, this match feels like a test that Buff is failing. Really? To me, I didn't think this was a good match. I thought this was sloppy and bad and kind of slow. I mean, it is sloppy, but it's also showing that Buff can hold his own. can hold his own in kayfabe. I think match quality-wise, they're going to go, oh, see, the kid can't hang. I don't know. I disagree. I I, I think that he was actually putting on a really good show. This might just be my hatred of Buff. I think you're still hung up on that. I think you need to separate that. Because, like, yeah, his strut's annoying and his personality's annoying, but he's been putting on good matches. This is the second week in a row that I'm, like, impressed by him. Yeah, I mean, the, the match the week before was entirely carried by Benoit. And he just kind of came in for bits. Yeah, but the bits that he came in for, he wasn't just, like, faffing around and doing nothing. Well, Buff was getting worked over. And then Dean Malenko comes out, gets on the apron in his long sleeve dress shirt <laughs> and his slacks. Again. Well, he actually... He gets in the ring first, and they're like, no, 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 you have to go to the apron. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? The way I saw this was Dean interfered, and the ref was like, absolutely not. You're not part of this match. You can't interfere. And then... As as one should be. But it's it, it's a tag team match on the other side. Well, no, it's a... Oh, yeah. It's a, a handicap. But yeah. it wasn't a fucking match. This well, no, wasn't a set match. Well, it became a match. The, the bell did ring at one point. But there and were no set rules. It's not like they started this match and be like, this match is a handicap match. Like, Flair it's, says it's a two-on-one. Regardless, if you're not there at the start of the match, you're usually not allowed to be a participant in the match. Usually. But again, what are rules? <laughs> yeah, so then Dean's on the apron, wants to tag. Flair does the buff taunt, but everyone's kind of looking at Dean, so it's entirely yeah. missed. We get a hot tag to Dean, and Piper accidentally creates shoot confusion because he gets in the way of Dean kind of 
you know, getting the heat on Flair. Oh, yeah. I stand by. I think Dean Malenko's hurt. What makes you say that? He just looked off and, st- like, not stiff in his work, like, stiff in his body during this match. Oh, it just, I didn't notice. Yeah, he just didn't look crisp, and he usually does. It just, it felt That's off. That's the other guy. Crisp? Crispy, crispy, crispy ben, Benoit, crispy bacon, crispy Ben, crispy beignet, <laughs> in New Orleans. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> oh god, it's, it's totally. Crispy Beignet is actually a great name for him. <laughs> we're, we're nearing the finish of this match, Emily. God damn it! So. Dean then knocks Arn off the apron and tries to get the cloverleaf on Flair, but Piper stops him. Arn then, like, gets in the ring and Dean locks in the cloverleaf on him. Buff hits a blockbuster on Flair in the background of this, but then Piper hits him with what we're calling the Nux, pulls Flair on top of, of Buff. The ref sees this and counts the pin, despite the fact that... The, Wasn't the legal man. Yeah, like, there was one tag on Buff's side and it was to Dean. There are so many botched finishes in this episode. Well, this is this was a designed this way. Finish. I understand, but like a not clean finish. It's just weird. I don't know. I'm getting annoyed by it. Yeah, this. this it match feels was... like we're regressing. Thoughts on the match itself? I know you didn't like it. I didn't. I don't think I liked the match as a whole, but I, I liked Buff Bagwell in this. Yeah, I just it felt a bit sloppy, and Buff's offense doesn't really super entice me. I think is really the issue. Fair. Like, you know, name some of his fun, unique moves. Oh, I don't know. He has his finisher. <laughs> so let's move on. We got a couple matches left. Woo. Get the Nitro Girls up next. In a weird, dark segment. <laughs> like the lights were off. Yeah. Like not a dark segment, but like a badly lit segment. <laughs> we then get Ray and Conan with the No Limit Soldiers. Only three of them to start. Quick, Ver- name them. It was Swole... Uh, one of the Armstrongs, Brad, Brad Armstrong, and like, uh, sort of a T. I'm impressed. I have no idea what any of their names are. Well, they've been highlighting Swole. I couldn't pick Swole out of the lineup. They are facing the Jersey Triad for the tag team titles. And uh, I'm just going to start with this. Cause, um, so we had an argument So this. Yeah. DDP and Canyon start the match for the uh, Jersey Triad. And I'm like, that's weird. Why would you have Canyon work two matches, you know, in kayfabe? If you're if you're defending a title, it's like, have the fresh guy do it. The three of them just kind of rotate who is in the match throughout the match. The way they treat it is there's the legal man in the ring, and then you can just keep rotating who is the man on the apron? You can just keep swapping them. It's fine. I have never seen this in wrestling before. All it, it is because it, it's not a handicap match. Like they have to sneak and interfere when it's the third man, which also creates a weird element to this match. I didn't notice the sneaking element of it so much, but they did note on commentary, and they've noted it before, not in this match, but in another tag match. That it doesn't matter who of the three is in the match. Yes, and I have always treated that as it's the free bird rule because they've never done this spot where it's like, okay, any two of them can defend the titles, but it can only be two of them. 
the Freebird rule, they never had all three of them tagging into the match at various points. I, I think I'm actually keeping my calm more than I was during Because we already had this argument. We were, like, screaming at each other. Like, fun screaming. We weren't mad at each other. We were screaming about this but while we were watching this it. entirely breaks the rules of a, ta- of, a, of a tag team trio. I mean, yeah. But again, like, my argument is we have broken the rules so much and so often in so many different episodes and pay-per-views and tag matches and tornado matches and whatever match, what have you. We have broken the rules so many times. Why is now different? Because I've never seen this anywhere. It's not like, oh, it's like, oh, I guess we're just, I guess we're just ignoring this one rule. You were ignoring the mechanics of a tag, of, of how a tag team match works. I mean, they're still tagging in. It's just they're adding another guy, like, illegally, but, like, they're still tagging in. It's like, look, I know WCW will, I think, eventually do this, but let's just say there's a, all right, there's a match between Kidman and Psychosis. Randy Savage runs down, and Kidman pins Randy Savage to win. Have That's, they not done that? Because I feel like they would have done that by now. I think they... I, I know That's it happens at some point. There have been so many breaches of rules. No, and, I, and I will be outraged at every <laughs> one of them. There's a reason we go DQ, because there are rules, Emily. And should we call out the rule breaks and we recognize that there are going to be rule breaks. When we start citing the rules this late in the game, it feels hypocritical. We're calling out the low blows. But, like, it's not a big deal, though. Yeah, it's a DQ, but it's not like, oh, this match should end right now because they broke the rules. In the history of wrestling, (laughs) and honestly, tweet in if you've ever seen this happen. And by the way, I'm not not counting twin magic bullshit. Oh, fair, fair, fair. That's different. Fair, 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 fair. No one's confusing Canyon and Bam Bam Bigelow. (laughs) I thought you were going to say Brie Bella. No. No one's confusing Canyon and Brie Bella. I'm, I'm starting to think that, like, you have watched wrestling your entire life. You watched the good with the bad, and you got it all, like, firsthand and new. See, I, I, have, I have seen Little People's Court. Cut that. <laughs> no, no, that's what it's called. That is an actual segment from 2000, and I want to say nine. Anyway, I am still relatively new to this, but, like, I have watched enough wrestling now that I get wrestling. And... I, maybe it's because we watch so much bad right off the bat. Like, there have been nights where I look at you and I say, I want to watch bad wrestling. This doesn't shock me anymore. I don't get outraged by the rule breaks because I've watched the rules continue to get broken and the rules be so flimsy for so long and in so many different matches. Okay, I think I actually may be able to pinpoint why. Because according to this match, it's not breaking the rules. It is a on-the-fly rule change. So you're saying you would have been okay with it if on commentary they were like, oh, this is madness. He, they're, what, are, what are the rules of this? If they had noticed, if they had taken note, yes, you would have been okay with it. More okay. The fact that it was just accepted and ever supposed okay. to be, oh, yeah, this, this is totally a thing. Why don't you know this already? This is totally a thing. I'm like. I was okay with it because commentary had already said, like, oh, it doesn't matter which of the three. Like, I know that it's not the same, but it is, like, one step step after the same thing you know it's it it's close to the same thing yeah so that's why it doesn't shock me yeah yeah and or it doesn't it, even like raise my eyebrow really and as mentioned the fact that they were the, the the man on the floor was doing stuff behind the ref's back and i'm like just tagging the match you can do whatever you want 
Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter, though, because this match doesn't have an ending. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably get into the match. I don't think Ray and... You don't and even Co- want to talk about the match, well, do you? I was going to say, I don't think Ray and Conan come out to a new theme this week. But it might just be Ray's theme. I don't know. We also get the standard pre-match promo from Conan. Ray talks again at the end, and it just makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Armstrong is now part of the No Limit Soldiers. He is related to the Armstrong brothers, who are... Yeah, he's part of that family. So it's another Armstrong for me to confuse with the others. So apparently there was also an Armstrong on WWF like during this same segment. Wait, what? At the same time this was airing on Nitro. There was one on WWF? One of the Armstrongs wrestles on WWF. I thought they were all in WCW right No, there is one. He doesn't go by the last name Armstrong. Who is it? I don't think you've realized this ever. Because it's me, it's me, it's that D-O-double-G. The road, road Dog is an Armstrong? Yes, he is the brother of all three I Armstrongs. his name was Jesse James. His birth name is Brian Gerard James, so I Where don't... Where the James come from? That's all their shoot names. They're not actually Armstrongs, that's all, that's all a kayfabe name. Wait, so they're all Jameses? Yeah. They're not Armstrong? No. What I, the fuck? I'm learning this too. I'm like, wait. wait, why did three of them go with Armstrong then? Because their dad is Bullet Bob Armstrong. So, but his name's also not Armstrong. You know, his name is the dad's name is Shoot Joseph Melton James, but it was given the name Bullet Bob Armstrong. Well, why so did Jesse James go with James? <laughs> So why'd he go with Jesse? That's not his name. Well, that's meant to be like the old outlaw. Oh, okay. Well, still. Yeah. What the fuck? Everybody in wrestling is related to everybody in wrestling. It's fucking weird. So DDP and Ray start and DDP hits a nice swinging gut buster on Ray. And I'm like, I want to see that singles match. Mm, yeah, you did mention that. But I want to see that singles match when Ray is masked. <laughs> I want him to have that confidence. <laughs> Get a springboard acai moonsault, moonsault and then a springboard drop kick to DDP. I do think it's funny that you can say acai with no issue and yeah. moonsault you trip up on. Acai is the trip up word. We get a vaulted dropkick from Conan and Ray. Ray hits a random springboard move from the apron like while he's not while he's not the legal man. And I'm like, Ray, that's just cheating. Again, why do we care? Because he's meant to be a good guy. It doesn't fucking matter, man. I'm like, I'm like, are you just embracing the fact that Nello Soldier getting booed and you're just like trying to facilitate a heel turn? Um, I, no, I don't think he's thought that far ahead. Ray also like randomly vaults onto Bam Bam Bigelow on the floor without much prompting. It's not like he even like swipes in and just like, oh, fuck you and just dives on. I'm like, okay. I will give you this. This is a very chaotic match. Like it, when it comes to like the rule breaks and whatever, like it does seem facilitated because it is a chaotic match. As they're going into a commercial break, Canyon hits a nice slingshot suplex. Back from commercial, Bam Bam Bigelow has replaced Canyon on the apron, but then they also just swap back at some point before Bam Bam Bigelow even tags in. I'm like, what the fuck? They're just hanging out. They're all just dude bro- dudes being bros. Because this is when we're like, wait, he's on the apron. What the hell? Okay, I guess he was just up there for some reason. Yeah. We get a tilt-a-whirl slam to Ray, and DDP tries for it again, but it gets turned into a head scissor. Hot tag to Canyon. I wrote, where'd Bam Bam Bigelow go? So th- this is this is the point where I, I figured out what the hell was going on. And I almost stopped taking notes out of protest. 
<laughs> what a protest. Because there is a point where I think it's Bam Bam Bigelow tags out to Canyon. Canyon puts Ray in like an arm bar kind of move and tags in DDP. So within about 10 seconds, all three men were legal. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? Uh, I wrote, my exact words in my note are, nothing matters anymore. Yeah. Welcome to WCW, man. Welcome to episode 38 of our podcast. Kenyon misses a moonsault. We get a hot tag to Ray. Conan hits a face buster in the ring. And then the the West Texas Rednecks run in, now with Kendall Windham. They have a new member. Like, oh, that's... Wait, they ha- their name is the... I didn't know they had a name. We've mentioned this before. You were going to just call them the Rappus Craps. Okay, because I guess I didn't realize that they had a name. I'm going to keep... I'm going to continue to call them the Rappus Craps. We literally had the same conversation we? last week. Because I, I wrote, oh, the Rappus Craps are here. <laughs> yeah, Kendall Windham's now with them, just really in passing. I thought Kendall Windham was always there. No, Barry Windham was there. Oh, fuck They're me. brothers. God damn it. I don't know the difference between the two of them. They the don't. One, they don't look similar. The one with the gloves is Barry. Is Barry okay? The one. Which one's Kendall? He looks like a um, great value version of Steve Austin. God, that could be any of the guys in the NWO. For some reason, Perry Saturn and Chris Benoit then run out. <laughs> okay, so maybe this is the thing. Like, maybe I could get on board with you being pissed about the rules if there was a clean finish to this match. If they tried to be like oh, new tag team champions or whatever, like, then I'd be like, yeah, that was that was bullshit. But because it's another interference match, who cares? Yeah, I guess Saturn and Benoit are feuding with the Jersey Triad, but this just felt so random. Yeah. Um, the No Limit Soldiers then come out, and everything just kind of gets resolved. Resolved. Uh, Big quotes there. Everything just kind of fizzles out, and they all hootie-hoo. What a mess. Ma- Master P like tries to wrap a bar or two and just gives up. I fucking hate Master P. <laughs> like maybe he maybe he is in his element when he is performing music, when he is like in front of a crowd and doing his thing. In this environment, I fucking hate him. I want nothing more of him. I want him to be gone. I want to be done with him. I know you're looking up how much longer we have of him and I don't want to know. He is being paid $200,000 per appearance. Want to move on to our main event? Woo! It feels weird that we're already at the main event. Yeah. This was a weird Nitro in terms of pacing and matches. and It felt like a pay-per-view. Yeah, because in terms of, like, promos and segments, we have the Flair and Piper one, which turns into the handicap match. We have backstage Lenny and Lodi, uh, the birthday segment. Ugh. And Team Madness arriving? I and mean, I guess I guess the end I mean not The a, end of the first match, I guess. Yeah, it's segment. it's a really match heavy nitro. Which like isn't a bad thing. Especially because no. they're fairly good matches. Like overall, yeah. fairly good matches. So our main event, as mentioned previously, it'll be Sid Vicious versus Sting. Nick was really excited about this match because he finally gets to see Sid wrestle. He's been so excited to see Sid wrestle and see like let me see Sid wrestle. Yeah, we first start with Michael Buffer. Nick, why aren't you excited? Sid comes out to no theme, and I'm like... Nick, why, why, why aren't you excited, Nick? Nick. <laughs> Michael Buffer notes that Sting is famous for not joining any group. I'm like, <clears throat> Wolfpack. <clears throat> <laughs> and um, then the match starts. <laughs> and then it ends. No, no, not that fucking quick. It's the so two posture and stall and just like oh, look around right. to start. And Sid makes me look like a 
fucking dick. <laughs> Why, Nick? Listen, I knew he wasn't a good worker, but I'm like, maybe they'll, like, considering they know how to fucking book Goldberg, I'm like, maybe they'll know how to book Sid and just, like, <laughs> have him kill people real quick. It's like, jeez, oh, nothing happens. Yeah, when you said the match started, I forgot about the posturing because I don't consider well, this the start of the match. Because Randy Savage then comes out almost immediately. Exactly. Sid then leaves the ring and gets some instructions from Savage. They're all standing around, which prompts Goldberg chants. Yeah. They finally start doing stuff. Sting hits a face buster and Sid follows that with a big boot. Then Sid slowly works over Sting with like running big boots. Sid he finally does a wrestle, kind of. Sting tries to pick up the pace and, and Sid slows it right back down. Sting dodges a kick and hits a splash in the corner, and then Randy Savage comes in and DQ. Yep. So what'd you think? Sid is going to go for a power bomb, but then they see Lex Luger running out with a chair. So He's they... here to defend his man's honor. Lex Luger makes a return for the third time in about six weeks. He still hasn't made a return to actual in-ring action. So Sid and Savage leave the ring and grab two padded folding chairs. And I'm like, oh, guys, no. <laughs> come on. Guys, no. Everyone just kind of stands around like they're going to run out of time on the episode. Like, oh, they'll just fade it here. They don't. Randy Savage cuts a promo and he definitely says words. <laughs> he does definitely say words. <laughs> Sid then grabs the mic. Shouts about how they have no chance of beating the two of them, and I love the man again. <laughs> all I need is Sid to cut shouty promos. That's all I want from Sid. That's true. You have said that, that you just want him to be shouty. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, you. <laughs> then, in the most, I don't even know what, <laughs> Sting then grabs the mic and tells Sid and Savage he has two words for them. The crowd chants suck it, and they go off the air. The end. What? I don't know, man. I just don't know. Any thoughts on that whole match and segment besides confusion? It's fine if not. I mean, no. I don't really have any. Kind of no. Where did, Where was Kevin Nash? Hanging out backstage, drinking drinks. Schmoozing and boozing? I don't know. I mean, commentary could have made the note of while he was getting beat down, like, oh, Nash still doesn't trust Sting? Cause, like, yeah, because that would have been the time for Nash to come out and be like, or even just like posture on the fucking ramp, be like, I told you, man. Like, oh, I'm still watching you. Whatever. Like, I don't know. Strange end to what was actually a pretty good Nitro. I think we kind of lost steam down the end. It's, it had a good first half and then kind of petered off in the second half no and like i really did like this show like overall of the nitros that we've watched recently this was probably the best nitro that we've watched of the pay-per-views this is probably the best too i know it's not a pay-per-view but it felt like a pay-per-view but i'm getting frustrated about like i feel like i think i said this i feel like we are reverting backwards with all the interferences like i went back and counted there were five matches that ended with an interference or a fucky finish yeah, and I'd say there were three good matches and two half good matches. I just, I'm, I want this, I, I want to, like, it's the same argument I made weeks ago. I want the clean endings. I don't want every match to be an interference. I think, like, how many matches do we have on this card overall? Maybe, like, seven? 
but five of them had interferences as endings. That's not satisfying as a viewer. So even the three that didn't, one of them had Lodi come down. Yeah. One of them had Sunny Ono it was, help oh, the that cat. That was still a fucky finish. And, and so, yeah, I guess the only one that was totally clean was Eddie. Yeah. Because I, I assume you're counting the uh, the weird finish with uh, with Flair D- and Dean. Yeah, yeah, I am. So yeah, Eddie's the only one who won clean. I totally forgot about the the shoe DQ with yeah, like, but that, the that's, cat. I didn't count that. That's one. at least par for the course. I think yeah. Where like that, that's almost just the extended form of his finishing move is the interference. <laughs> yeah. No, that that was my biggest frustration with the show, and I need Master P to get the hell off of the show. I, th- I thought you were going to say just to get fucked. <laughs> that's true. But I also, I wanted to point out, it has been a while, and I just looked back in my own notes, it's been a while since our best bit, or at least mine, was the main event of the show. Yeah, it definitely has been. The last one that I, I don't know for sure that it was my contender, but the May 17th Nitro, with the main event being... um, the audience member came in while they were doing the lipstick spot. That doesn't even really count if you're. I just... know, but like that's that's the last time I can find that I think I put a segment of the main, of the main event as my best bit. It, the actual match probably goes back farther. Oh yeah, well I guess um, so I guess you gave spoilers there, but uh. Oh, was it really a spoiler? No, but uh, yeah, let's go to best bit and MVP. Emily, what is your best bit? Oh, I gave it to the Canyon Booker match. Canyon Booker Honestly, match. yeah, like that was a really entertaining match to me. I know I was zoning out while we were watching it, but like it was a really good match. I was really impressed by the both of them. I like when they get animated like that. Yeah, I th- it just makes it fun to watch. If Booker could have won or even had Canyon win via interference, I think I might have given it. it yeah. It's just a matter of just the everything you watched was kind of for nothing. That doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. Yeah, like. Even commentary during that thing was like, oh, that's a, sh- that's a shame for Booker T. And I'm like, no, it's not a shame. He got, he got fucked here. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I, that was your best bit. I, unintentionally, I guess I gave mine to the only match that had a clean finish. I gave mine oh, to Eddie versus Hoovy. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's fair. MVP? I'm going to guess. I want to guess yours. I'm guessing yours is Eddie. Yes, you would be correct. So I am following the trend of my main my MVP being in the match that I chose for the best bit. I mean, it definitely does help. My MVP is Canyon. Okay. Because yeah. he he did two matches tonight and he wasn't bad in either of them, and he impressed me. So Canyon. Okay, not a bad option. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of decent stuff on this show. So it obviously wasn't best bit worthy for either of us, but yeah, I mean the Kidman Psychosis match was good while it lasted. If that was a full match, I think that would have been a contender for my main. Yeah. It was just too short. That was the other thing with a lot lot of the DQ finishes, and I'll try to wrap it up from here. Yeah. Both the Booker one and the Kidman one, they're literally like, let me go do my finisher, then interference. It's like... That's why I'm getting so frustrated with the interference. I'm tired of it. It re- this used to be part of the course where every every match was ended with interference. We'd have like one match without interference, and it feels like we're going back to that. We started getting out of that for a little bit, and now we're right back into it. Well, let's hope next episode has a little bit more regular finishes. That's going to be the June twenty eighth Monday Nitro. Until then, you can listen to us on Spotify. 
Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and through doing some analytics, I guess we're uh, a couple other places. So oh, t- tweet in if there's a place you want to listen to us that we're not. And Emily, where can they uh, find us on the social medias? You can find us on Facebook at Butts in the Seeds Podcast. Give us a follow and comment on whatever we've got. Like and share and do all that jazz. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Butts in the Pod. And I think that's it. And you can find us on the streets of Baltimore. <laughs> on the streets of Baltimore, just screaming out of our balcony about wrestling. That's where I usually am. Yeah, it's where we record the uh, podcast, right? Just on a, on a windy balcony. It feels like it. I'm freezing. <laughs> Well, until next time, when we're still on the road to bash at the beach. Um, As it's snowing, we're going to bash at the beach. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Bye.